Please turn to Proverbs in chapter 7 this morning. Proverbs in chapter 7. What I will say today is much needed to be said. It's very simple. But it reveals some things about us. And I want to, do, I want to bring this up because all of us, this will apply to all of us in some form or fashion today. All right. So, so we're in Proverbs chapter 7. You could almost read the whole chapter, but what we will do is read verses 1 through 10 together. These are short verses. Let's all stand together for the reading of God's Word. Proverbs chapter 7, 1 through 10. We can read it all together. My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live and my law as the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart, say unto wisdom, Thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, and from the stranger which flattereth with her words. For I looked at the window of my house, I looked through thy casement, and I beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding, passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. And let's pray. Father, as we look to these verses, and throughout thy word, I ask that thou is blessed. Help us to be attentive. Help us to be honest. Help us to look inward. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In verse 10, it says this fellow met a woman who had the attire of an harlot. She was subtle of heart. It says she is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without. Now in the streets and lieth in wait at the every corner. She caught him and kissed him. And with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me this day. Have I paid my vows? Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face. And I found thee what she say? I've decked my bed with coverings of tapestry and carved works with fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves. Why? For the goodman is not at home. He has gone a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the day appointed. These very sobering words that we read, the goodman is gone. What does that mean? Well, it means that the mice are going to come out and play when the cat's away. That's what we're going to talk about today. And let's pray. Father, I ask that Thou bless once again our message. Help me to say what needs to be said and help us to be true and honest. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the hidden things, what do they do? They sneak out after dark, don't they? They come out after everyone else has gone to bed. And this is very revealing. You know, this is a very well-known story. Anybody that's ever read their Bible, this one sticks out. This one stays in your... It's like I said this morning in Sunday school. This one stays in the memory. And God wants us to keep this in memory because it says God will use the wisdom from it in verse 4 and 5 to keep thee from those that you're not supposed to get caught up with. And so this story is about a simpleton. A man among the simple ones. One who is, he's really, he's unexperienced. He's unlearned. But you know what he's looking for? Experience. It says he's the one out looking. You know, let me say something about, we say the word simple. Simple simplicity does not necessarily mean it's one who's innocent, but falls into the trap. Not in this case, because this young man is obviously on an adventure. He's out looking. He's on an adventure of sin. We read it in verse 7. It says, a simple one among the youths, young man, what did it say about him? He was void of understanding. And what's he doing? He's passing through the street near her corner. But guess what? This is an unhappenstance. You know why? Because he's going to come back. It says he passed through and he went the way to her house. Probably did it intentionally. Why? It says in the twilight, in the evening, and in the black and dark night. That means he stuck around a while. This means he started out when the twilight came and then when evening fell, he's still hanging around looking for something and then it got very dark. Black and dark night, He's still out there. He's lingering. He's there on purpose. He's there on purpose. So what we find is there's a rendezvous that's going to take place. And I know these are harsh words, but notice, she's there and ready. She's waiting. She's subtle of heart. She's calculated. What it says, she's got on the attire of a harlot. She's dressed to kill with the intent to do the same. You know, when you finish this chapter, it says that this fellow had a dart strike through his liver. He'll never be the same again. He got experienced, all right. Ruined his life. She meets him. It says she catches him. She seduces him. She invites him. Oh, yeah. And it says, she plainly says it. I've planned this. I've planned this. I've been preparing. I've made all things ready. My house is ready. You know what she even says? I've paid all my vows. She's even religiously ready. I've done all my religious duties and got them out of the way. I've got my fragrances prepared. I am ready. And she says, it's a perfect opportunity. Why? The goodman is gone. The goodman is gone. We're not going to get caught. You know why she, she says, he took a bag of money with him. He went on a long journey. He's coming home at an appointed day. And it's not today. 
Now this is, this is not the message. This is just setting up for it. But listen, she's treacherous. She's evil. She's waiting for the chance. She waited for the good man to leave. You know what she's saying? This is, you know what she's saying? I cannot be me when he's around. I can't be free when the Goodman's here. You know, teens do this all the time. They wait till the authority leaves. And they say, now I can be free. Now I can be myself. Employees do this all the time. When their boss leaves, they, they slack on don't they? You know you got a good employee if they keep the pace up when you're gone. I mean, that's a good one. They do, they're working for the sake of work. They're doing it right. Many jobs, when I, especially when I was young, I noticed this. When, when the boss left, that was the perfect opportunity to slack. The goodman's gone. The goodman's gone. I see church members doing it when they're away from church. They have a tendency to do this. And while it's spouses do this to their own husband or wife. God says, infidelity is a horrible sin. But let's just talk about this. What is the goodman? You know, this is, this is interesting to me. Turn over to Matthew 24. She says the goodman is not at home. The goodman is not at home. Let's, let's look at Matthew chapter 24. And this is the coming out of the end of the Olivet Discourse when Jesus will return and He's given a, a, a likening to what's going to take place. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 42. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come, but know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watched the thief would come. He would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. So we see in these verses that the goodman is in charge of a house. The goodman has a house. He's accountable for that house and he's set to guard that house. Turn over to Luke chapter 12 with me if you would. So these are his duties as a goodman. Luke chapter 12. And Jesus stressed this often. Luke chapter 12 and verse 37. He said, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord when He cometh shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. They, these are good goodmen right here. These aren't. Okay, but look what he says in verse 39. And, no, and this know that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not suffered his house to be broken through. So we find also that the goodman, he's to be on watch. The goodman is to be aware 
of what's taking place within that house that he's steward over. He's to be alert of those within, those coming from without. Turn over to chapter 22 of Luke. Luke chapter 22. Verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread. This is Luke 22, 7. When the Passover must be killed, and he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare of the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where, where wilt thou that we prepare? He said unto them, Behold, when you enter into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And you shall say unto who? The goodman of the house. The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber? Where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples. And he shall show you a large upper room furnished. There make ready. So we find some more description that the goodman is the one who decides what takes place within that home. The goodman will decide who enters that home and who leaves and what takes place when they come. The goodman. Now what is the goodman? It's more than just the husband. You know, when you read, if, when you read Proverbs 7, you automatically think it's the husband. But the Bible does not say this is the husband. It's whoever is over the house is the goodman. Whoever is set to be head of the house and in charge is the goodman. So that would be someone over the family or the household or someone who is over the business, the workplace, or someone who's over the church. They are considered a goodman. Why? They are a steward. And guess what? The goodman does not have to be a male. Find this amazing story in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says that Martha, there was three siblings, Mary, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Never mentions the parents. Martha's the goodman of the house. Martha's in charge. Martha is deciding what's going on. It's very obvious Martha's in charge. That makes Martha accountable, right? That makes Martha more chargeable to make things that are done right. So the goodman literally means the champion of the house. The champion of the house. The faithful of the house. The one that's going to keep it together. The steward of the house. So what does that mean? His or her duty is to handle the business, the money, the cause of the home. The purpose that, and the things that take place. If the, if the home profits, hey, the religious faithfulness in the home. Someone's always over that within a household. It's like someone rises to the top and leads the way to Christian living. They are the goodman over that household. And so they are to make sure the household is run properly to guard Sometimes they're a hired person to do this, by the way. To guard from predators. Didn't Jesus say it three times, or actually twice in these passages, to keep the robbers out? To make sure that the house is secure? 
to make sure those that are within the house are secure, to keep them from bad influences. You know, it's the goodman's job to keep those under them to, from bad influences. Evil doings. Evil practices. Let me say some more about this. Do you know it's the goodman's duty to keep the compromise away. You know, you know, we always say when a family starts shifting around and compromising and letting the, the enemy in, the goodman's allowing that in some form or fashion. The one who's over the home to keep a tight ship, as we say. What are you trying to do though? See, and the ones within the household don't like this. They sometimes they'll feel captive. Right? But that's not true. It's the goodman's duty to keep everyone intact so I can get you to the desired destination. I'm trying to get us somewhere to make sure nobody falls out. Nobody falls away. To make the household safe, secure, fed, clothed, protected, happy, and healthy. But not only that, growing. It's a vibrant, growing household. I'd like you to turn back, please, to chapter 12 of Luke. And above all things, the goodman. What matters the most to the Lord is to keep everyone right with the Lord the best they can. To lead in spiritual matters. That's the goodman's duty. And if you're going to be over a household, you took on this chore whether you realize it or not. Luke chapter 12. and So we just read this story, but then when he gets to verse 42, he explains some pretty amazing things. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? Going to run the household properly. And he can trust them to do it. He says, Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth, I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. The promises that come... The, okay, we know there's a lot of duty here. And it's scary. I'm charged to be the good man of my home. But I also see the benefit of faithfulness. And the promises and the rewards that come to a, a, a faithful goodman. It's an awesome opportunity. And it's an awesome responsibility. Stewardship and accountability. And what did Jesus just say here? He places eternal rewards and eternal value to this. How you run your household on earth is going to dictate what you do in heaven. If you run the what he that's faithful and little on earth, my little household, which we all have one. And it's beautiful. You keep it beautiful, by the way. And when you have that, God says they're faithful and little. I'll make them ruler over much. Actually, in one part, place it says, I'll make you ruler over ten cities. That's why I say to all the good men in the house today, don't apologize for doing your job right. No way. Don't feel guilty for doing your job right. It's an awesome responsibility. And it's a wonderful thing. B. 
being faithful. Right? In life or in death. Because why? Hey, I'm going to answer to God for my stewardship. You know, right now we think we're answering to people. We're answering to God for our stewardship. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It's required. If you're going to be over something and have the responsibility, it's required that you do it faithfully and that you do it honestly and that you tend to it properly. Don't ever feel guilty for doing your job. Remember what I said. You're trying to get them to the desired destination, which is ultimately heaven. But just a wonderful life for God down the line. We're all trying to do this. So for time's sake, I've got to consider what I said earlier about when the cat's away, the mice play. I'm going to consider the mice for a minute. Now the mice, it was typified in that woman we just read of. The goodman left. I can be me. He's gone. I can be free. Proving what she is. Here's a little poem for you. Oh, see the little mouse. Does the mouse see the cat? Yeah, the dirty rat. I'm joking. That's a good point. You know why? Wanting to do your dirty work when the cat's missing. Wanting to sneak out. Wanting when the lights are off. We all know what comes out when you turn the lights off at night and go to bed. We all know it. Why do they do it? They're sneaking in. Why? The goodman's gone. The goodman's gone. And everyone's gone. And that cute little mouse, you know, of all things, Mickey the mouse. He's more like Mickey the rat. That's what he is. What, what are we saying here? The real you comes out when the cat's gone. The real you shows when the goodman's gone. How simple is this? When the boss is away, what do you do? You're proving what you are. When the boss is gone, how hard do you work? Or what do you hide? What are you trying to get away with? Uh-oh, when your husband or wife is away, who are you? Who are you? What are you? What do you do? Children, when the parents are not at home and the goodman's gone, what are you going to try to get away with? Right? What are you going to try to pull off? Because you can't do it when they're home, so you're going to do it when they're not. That's why you want to go to your friend's house. Because they don't have a goodman over there. Does your behavior change when the authority leaves? That's the question of it all. When the, when the authority... And, and think about this for a minute. If your behavior changes when the authority leaves, what does that say about you? Are you being a, are you being a hypocrite now? Or were you one when he was there? That's the question at hand. Do you begin to play with things you can't do while the authority is present? This is very convicting. And that's why I say this is for all of us, right? The goodman is away. I'm free. You just think you are. Right? I can let my hair down now. 
the good man is away. I'm going to say a couple more things. The way life is predicated and set up, the good man can not always be there. And the authority of the home, or I'll call him the champion of the house. Like it says that Moses was faithful in all his house. Moses kept all the rest of them right. Right? When, he can't always be there. Look what happened when Moses went up to Mount Sinai for 40 days. The whole nation fell apart. Right? The whole nation fell apart. And he told them, I'll be back. They didn't even believe God enough. And they showed what they were. You have to be proven who you are. And so sometimes when the, when the goodman or the authorities leaves, you show what you really are. And so here's a good thought for those uh, mice out there. Those who are prone to play with sin, those who are prone to seek it out, you ought to be thankful for the goodman hanging around rather than upset about it, right? You ought to be grateful that they're keeping you right. You know what you'd do if they were gone. You ought to be grateful. The good man of the house is the one who inhibits the sin within the household. It's the one who keeps it down and deep. But what would you do without them? Sadly, some would play. Some would play freely. Some would get in some big trouble. Like this poor, simple man who was looking for an adventure. Lost it all. So let me ask you a question. I'm going to say something here. We'll be done in a minute. How do you find out who you really are? Now there's a lot of ways to do this. But when you want to know who the real you is, and only in, in, as it pertains to our message today, how do I know if I'm true? Well, you can find out by two criteria here. Number one, and I'll just say it, I'll word it this way. Some people cannot be true to God and to themselves when they are not alone. And what I mean by that is when they get in the crowd, when they get in the crowd, that crowd is going to tend to force you to conform to them. Right? It's going, you're going to be tempted to be a hypocrite. You can't be true to who you are because you don't want to stand out to the crowd. So you hide your identity by fitting in. And sadly, Christian teens turn into heathen teens and they act just like the rest of them because they don't want to seem different. Because they got in a crowd that they couldn't handle. And what it also does, or it'll give them a license to play that they can't do at home when they're not with the crowd. And they can come out of hiding. You can find out a lot about yourselves when you're around peers. I don't care who it is. A man my age. I get around a bunch of men my age in any form or fashion on this earth. I can show what I am pretty quick. Am I going to be like they are? I'm nothing like them. I hope. <laughs> I hope. But I find out a lot about myself in this fashion. So when you get around peers, 
And we say peer pressure is really bad, but one thing peer pressure will do is it will reveal a lot about yourself. Can you stay true? Can you have your true identity? Or will you compromise to fit in so you won't be ridiculed? Okay, so the first, the first thing I said is some people can't be true to God when they're not alone. And then other people can't be true when they are alone. There's no good men. There's no one to keep them in check. They have no outside influences. They have no pressure from the outside keeping them in so they, they burst free when they become alone. And what happens? It's just the contemplations of their own heart. It's just their own imaginations in them and time. What will they do with that time? You can find out a lot about yourself when you're alone, can't you? What are you doing when you're alone? And I'm not saying this is a telltale truth that that's what you are. What I think it can say, show us is that we're either doing really well or we're lacking in some areas. The Goodman is there for this reason. To keep you in check. Don't ever resent the Goodman. You get alone. Are you going to be true to what you publicly profess? You're going to be something different. Are the mice going to play? Are the mice going to play? So I think it's time to just consider ourselves. You know, when the goodman is away, what you going to do? You know what the best thing is? Well, I didn't even know they're gone. I, mean, I just kept doing the same thing I always do. I'm, I, I'm, I'm me. I'm serving God within a household, within a job, within a church. I'm serving God in this world, and I'm just serving along. It doesn't change because my, my surroundings change. It doesn't change because the authority changes or missing. This is a tough question. I'll ask it to you. Though. When the lower life forms come out, they always come out after dark in the thick and dark night. What are we? What are you? And you're true, no matter what conditions. You find out a lot about yourself, right? I think we ought to reconsider the Goodman. We ought to reconsider the Goodman. Let's bow our heads.